0: We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome back to another episode of the Rebel Podcast. This is P. Nate, and uh, I am once again in my living room and once again joined by a familiar voice to you at this point. This is my lovely wife, Colleen. Hello. Thanks for coming back on.
1: You're welcome.
0: Thanks for uh, not all of a sudden saying no. Um, <laughs> we had family vacation not that long ago. And uh, as is our custom, we, we bought a couple new books to go through on vacation. And Colleen and I have been reading a book called Why Children Matter with uh, by Doug Wilson. Um, and, uh, and so we, we read this uh, and uh, we've been kind of, we read, read a chapter together. So the way it works is uh, at night, we'll just uh, open up the book and uh, kind of get comfy, grab a drink, and I'll read this out loud uh, one chapter at a time. And usually we stop, you know, wherever it takes a while to get through a chapter because we're always stopping and talking about, well, with this book in particular, how much we're failing in a lot of ways. Um, and, uh, and so it's been, it's been really helpful. So Colleen, uh, put a couple quotes on social media. We got asked about the book a little bit and, uh, we just think it's so practical. It's been such a great book, um, that we've been talking about it with lots of people talking about it together. And we thought it would be helpful for any of our listeners who are parents, uh, particularly parents of younger kids, although the principles in here, I think apply, um, all around, um, so we're going to kind of go through uh, the big idea of this book um, and Doug's Four Principles for Discipline. And, uh, and what we'll do is we'll, we'll link the, the book in the show notes so you can uh, grab it if you want to. Um, but I think uh, whether you're going to read the book or not, I think that the principles in this are just so helpful and practical uh, that we want to share them. So, um, I would say, although this book has, hasn't been put in timeout quite as often as some of your other books, eh, Colleen?
1: No, because you read it.
0: <laughs> so you can't put it in timeout? So I can't put it in timeout. Yeah, there you go. Um, okay. So why children matter? Um, the, uh, the, the, book itself is, is obviously about child rearing. It's about training your children. Uh, it takes, uh, the, the scripture about, uh, how children are arrows, um, and uh, arrows, obviously, are, are weapons used against the enemy. So the, the kind of big idea of the book here is that you're training your children uh, to be uh, the tools that God uses um, from your life and from your family's life to uh, combat the darkness, to expand his kingdom, to destroy the enemy. And, uh, and so in a podcast that's about engaging culture uh, with a biblical worldview, uh, one of the things I think Christians need to remember, especially Christian parents need to remember, is that one of the primary ways that we engage culture, one of the primary ways that we change the world is by raising children who engage the culture and, and raise children who change the world. Um, I'd say actually probably one book that helped you the most with this, or what, I guess maybe the book that first got you thinking through parenting this way would be diapers, dishes, and dominion. Would that be correct?
1: Yeah. Well, that was probably one of the first parenting books Yeah. that I had read too.
0: Yeah. Um, so we would recommend that one as well. But, um, so for this book, we're going to get into, um, I would say kind of the big idea of the book, um, besides that, besides the idea that your, your children are, uh, arrows in the hands of, uh, warriors. The big idea is that we were created to learn by imitation. Um, and therefore our kids learn more by what they see in us, um, rather than through our instruction to them. And you and I both found this super convicting. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think a lot of times, you know, uh, there's that old adage, right? Do, do what I say, not what I do. And uh, and essentially, Doug kind of uh, pulls the rug out from under that argument or that uh, that adage uh, throughout this book. And um, you know, in First Corinth or in Second Corinthians four. Uh, talks about how we as Christians, um, we actually are changed into the image of Christ. We become more like Jesus by looking at him, by beholding him, by learning things about him. And uh, and then there's the, the verse in Luke 6 uh, in verses 39 and 40. It says, can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. And so as Christian parents, we are the we are the ones teaching we're, we're instructed to raise our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord and to instruct them in the way that they should go. And so the idea here is that when fully trained, a disciple is like their teacher. So what was Jesus doing with his disciples for those three and a half years? He was trying to make his disciples like him. They were being conformed to him, his image and that's what discipleship is. And so when we are discipling our kids, our kids for better or for worse are going to become like us. I think you and I both had a big kind of ouch factor there because it means we can know all the right principles and all the right things to say, but if we're impatient, then they're going to learn impatience. If we are easily irritable, they're going to be easily irritable because it's what they're seeing in us, not just what they're hearing from us. Yeah. (laughs) You got nothing to say there now? (laughs) You you had lots to say before the mics went on. I
1: know. (laughs)
0: Um, one of the things I wanted to read a quick quote from here that you and I, um, uh, were uh, when we were reading through this, we, uh, we kind of said, this is a big, big ouch factor. Um, and, uh, this had to do with, uh, with kind of, uh, this whole idea of, uh, imaging and imitating. Um, it says, imagine your kids have disobeyed. And as a result, you say to them, how do you think that makes me feel when you do that? I've told you 5,000 times not to do that. And now just as a side note, I think we've all been there as parents, right? Like, you know, you're making mommy sad or you're making daddy sad, mm-hmm. right? We, we kind of discipline our children by telling them how what they're doing makes us feel, right? Right. And so um, here he says, well, it's true that the repetition is a necessary part of child rearing. The uh, quaver of self-pity And exasperation in the voice is not. That is not a biblical way of shepherding young people because young people learn by imitation. When you see an adult feeling sorry for himself, your immediate response is not to say, oh, poor baby. When you're full of self-pity, your kids are learning a lesson. But what they learn is not how to feel sorry for you, but how to say, how do you think that makes me feel? It turns out that there's more than one person who can say that and so when we when we would say things like that to our kids it's it's funny a lot of us we might use that as a, as a sort of strategy and say um, you know I, how do you think it makes your mom feel when you do things like that and all we're teaching them is the sort of self-centered self-pity of how actions make them feel
1: well and i remember I, I don't know why we said that, but we, I've used that before. That makes me feel upset when you do that. That makes me feel frustrated to do that. And then Quinn has said back a couple of times, well, that makes me feel
0: right. And you kind of get into a well, bit of an argument makes, right, about whose feelings up. take precedent. Right. Right. And, uh, and so, this this principle of imitation and how kids learn primarily through imitation, um, it seems simple and it seems like something we should all know, but I think the more you and I have tried to apply this and tried to see this in all the little nuanced ways that we're interacting with the kids, I think the more it's just kind of opened up a whole different way of looking at it for us. Would you say that?
1: Yes, I, I would agree with that. Also, I'm still kind of thinking about the... they um we created to learn by imitation and not by instruction. Right. And I even just think like, I don't know if I really truly believed that. Like when I first read that, like I kind of had to soak that in for a bit. Cause I'm like, I give her a lot of instructions. Right. And I do feel like she follows it or that she is learning by that. But I have noticed, like I haven't read for a little bit on my own. Well, Quinn hasn't been picking up books on her own either. Right. Or, um, I'm a nail biter. Well, I'm noticing that Quinn and Judah now are biting their nails. Yeah.
0: And interestingly, like even biting their nails when they're stressed about something, which is what they, and they would have no way of learning that except by watching.
1: Right. So it's just little things like that, that I've noticed, like, Oh my word. Like they are even, yeah. Even things that I say, Quinn will say certain words that I say. Right. Um, so, as much as this, I mean, it's terrible because we don't obviously imitate everything that we want our kids to imitate. So it really makes you self-check, right? You know, as what's that guy's name? John B. <laughs> yeah,
0: check your heart. Check your heart.
1: <laughs> where the things that you're doing, because we're not obviously we're not perfect, right? But it really does make you second guess kind of everything that you're doing because they really are watching everything that you're doing, and even if you say i'm sorry you shouldn't be doing that, even not you just did it right they see
0: yeah right absolutely and I think um, I think what's interesting about that is you know parents so imitation is not a imitation is a 24-hour is a thing, right? And so there'd be a whole lot of parents who think like, okay, when well my kid needs discipline and I, I get down on their level and put my hand on their shoulder and I look them in the eye and I talk calmly to them and all that kind of stuff. And you're like, okay, you can pat yourself on the back because you just did that discipline well. But then a few minutes later, you might not be disciplining them, but they come to you with a question that they've asked 10 times in a row. And then you say, go, go play downstairs, you're bugging me. Right. Like that's such a small thing. And you might even say it offhandedly. But again, you've just taught them by imitation, um, even though you might have disciplined them a few minutes ago. Right. So like sometimes when you when you think about parenting primarily as um, teaching them through imitation, then you recognize that it's not just those moments where you go to discipline them or you take them aside. It's everything. Right. It's always on. Right. Which is,
1: they're asking you a question while you're in the middle of, would you just go over there and do something? I'm just, I'm doing this. Right. And, and so, it's like they're an inconvenience and right. they feel that they know that.
0: Right. So then they feel like an inconvenience, but then we're also teaching them that if something is inconveniencing you, you don't have to deal with it. Right. You can just brush it aside. Right. And, you know, with, with several kids, um, you know, the younger ones are often in <laughs> inconvenience to the older ones and that's, they're, they're learning how to deal with younger people who are inconveniencing them by, by Shrugging us. Shrugging them
1: up. Yeah. yeah. Shrugging them so, off as to what we do to them.
0: Yeah. So, um, I mean, I feel like we could just go through quotes and quotes of this book, but what we really wanted to focus in on are, were these, uh, what, what Doug Wilson calls four principles of discipline. And, uh. In these four, dis, uh, four principles of discipline, he kind of gives you four, well, principles, um, to keep in mind when disciplining. So if the big idea, again, is that we we're created to learn by imitation, then that kind of is a paradigm shift. It, it kind of changes how you interact with your kids. But when it comes time for discipline, he has these four principles, which we just thought were we're really good, and, and you can kind of dig into them as uh, as deeply as you want to. We should so, have them
1: posted up somewhere so we can read them a lot, a lot more than
0: yeah. Like post them, like actually in the put them on the fridge
1: or something. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, okay. So principle number one is discipline is not punishment. Um, and this is a really interesting. First one.
1: of all, when I read that, or when you read that, I think I even had to say like, "What?" Right. Like that. <laughs> that was like a new thing. Like yes. Discipline is not punishment. What do you mean by that? Like, it, it should be a punishment. Like, it should be... Right. So, basically, everything he says is everything that I've been doing the opposite of.
0: <laughs> Which is why we're loving the book sometimes. Right.
1: So, he says, punishment is punitive. Discipline is restorative. It is meant to train. It is meant to bring about particular results. It's for a reason.
0: Right. So, uh, basically, what he's saying is, is punishment is simply... Um, the, it is sort of cause and effect. If you do this, then you get this. And so all we're essentially teaching by, um, punishing is, um, how to get the results you want by, you know, putting in the work you want. So essentially we're saying, you know, it's everything is cause and effect. And if you do this, then this is what happens. Discipline actually has results in mind. It has a, it has a destination in mind, right? Discipline has to do with taking somebody from A to B, right? It's not just if you do A, then you get B, but it's taking somebody from one destination to another. So discipline always has something in mind. Uh, Go to the
1: family part. So Doug's big thing was, you want them to be, um, you want them to want to be a part of the family. So their thing was saying, or his thing was saying, like, Judah is, um, like, he has a lot of temper tantrums. So he, you know, doesn't want his food. He pushes himself away and will sulk or whatever, gets really upset. So then his instruction in the book is saying, okay, then you tell that child, you leave, you go to the stairs, you go to your bedroom, you have a timeout, and then when you are ready, you can rejoin the family. And so the discipline in that would be, You are not a part of the family right now. You're being taken away from the family, which is what Judah really likes, which is hopefully what any kid really likes, being a part of the family. Am I saying this all correctly? No,
0: yeah, exactly. So basically what he's saying is, um, so if Judah's having a temper tantrum and, you know, one way to punish a temper tantrum is through... You know, a spanking or through taking something away or whatever. And actually, I think that sometimes taking things away, um, I think that that was one of our kind of go to. Yes. One of our go to punishments. It still is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think what he's saying in in terms of have discipline be restorative. So whether it's a timeout or it's a spanking, whatever um, that particular indiscretion uh, warrants. You take them away from the family discipline them and and then number one it's over right and and that's one thing about discipline is when the action that caused the discipline is uh is disciplined then it's over it's it's done and it's finished when it's punishment the shame and regret lingers
1: right i was just gonna say lingers yeah
0: and so, um, right, so for example, Judah is throwing a temper tantrum at the table, and to try to get him to stop, we tell him, you know, Big boys don't cry like that. Or we say, you know, Judah, don't you know, don't throw that temper tantrum. Don't don't cry. You know, I, I don't know. Whatever we we might say. We don't say, say that. No, we no. say
1: big boys can cry.
0: No, no, no I no, I'm, I'm I'm giving an example. Oh. Should I not use us as an example? No. Should I be clear because we're talking enough yes. about our failures not to heat no. them on? Okay. No, are no. All so, about
1: expressing yourself emotionally. Yeah. Josh and Christy would hate that.
0: Yeah. Sorry, Josh. Sorry, Christy, if you're listening. Yeah,
1: the... The, <laughs>
0: the strubs. Yeah. Um No, so the point is is that when, um, when discipline isn't clear, then it sends mixed signals to the kids about whether or not um, they've kind of earned back your love. But when you take them aside, you discipline them, and you invite them back to the family once they're calm once they're ready to re, once they're ready to rejoin the family then essentially what you're doing is your discipline looks exactly like what biblical discipline is supposed to look like right this is the same as church discipline it's like anything else you set them aside for the purpose of restoration for the purpose of bringing them back into the family and so uh discipline isn't punishment because punishment has uh the end goal in mind it has um uh kind of the destination in mind um the second principle is discipline with few principles rather than many rules man this one was
1: this one was uh well could have been one of my favorite ones right so his three would have been like no lying no disrespect no disobedience um or it could be that could be like for Quinn or for Judah, no lying, no disobedience, no fussing. Um, right.
0: And and, and th- so you
1: have different three, for different age groups, or right? And it might
0: and it might be depending on where you're going or what you're doing. Like you have a couple rules that you always reiterate with the kids. So you're going to the grocery store with them,
1: right? Right. No asking. Stay yeah. close. Uh, I think that's all I have.
0: Usually it's sit in your seat if you have them. Yeah, yeah. Either sit in your seat and no asking for things or stay close and no asking for things. But you kind of boil things down to a few principles or boil them down to a few rules. And one of the things, quite honestly, I just never heard of before or thought about before is he kind of says, when God created Adam and Eve in the garden, he, he put them in a world of yes with only one No right? So everything was yes, except the one tree. And similarly, if you think about, um, when the, when God gives his law to, um, Israel through Moses, you know, I mean, there's a zillion rules. So you just read the book of Leviticus or or Deuteronomy, but, um, but they can all be boiled down essentially to the 10 commandments, right? If you, if you, um, do these 10 commandments. The first six have to do with your, or the first four have to do with your relationship with God. And the last six have to do with your relationship with brothers and sisters and, and, and fellow citizens. And so all of the laws can be summed up with these 10 principles. Now, the law goes on to talk about what, what constitutes lying, what constitutes um, stealing, what constitutes, you know, what the difference is between murder and manslaughter. But the principles are all boiled down to what we call the Ten Commandments. And then, interestingly, in the New Testament, Jesus actually boils the Ten Commandments down to two commandments, right? Love God and love neighbor, Right, and the and the Ten Commandments, the first four deal with love God, and the last six deal with love neighbor. So even the law of God, which is very diverse and very um, far reaching, can be boiled down to these two rule to these two principles. So similarly, Doug is basically saying, teach your kids a few principles rather than a zillion rules. And and we all know those parents who chase after a, a, a wild child and says no jumping on the couch, no coloring on the walls, no doing this, no doing that. Well, all of those things are true. You don't want your kid jumping on the couch or, or well, we're actually okay with them jumping on the couch, but whatever they might be, climbing on the table, climbing on the counter, coloring on the walls. You don't want your kids doing all that stuff. But instead of the know this, know that, know that, boil it down to a couple of principles, right? And so when you ask your child not to do something in particular, then that's about obedience, disobedience. So then when you're punishing them, when you're disciplining them, you're not disciplining them for coloring on the walls, you're, you're disciplining them for disobedience because you asked them after they did it once not to color on the walls again. Right. Um, I, think that's, I think that's a huge, huge principle. Yeah,
1: it is, it's good.
0: Um, the, uh, he, he puts in a, uh, a good example where he says, you know, if you, Uh, in the New Testament when uh, the rich young ruler comes and talks to Jesus and he says, basically, what must I do? And he says, love God and love neighbor, right? Keep the commandments. Um, It's interesting that he can boil down the Old Testament to those two commands. And then Doug says, but what if we said, what does the United States Congress want us to do? And he goes on to say, we'd have to fill up a shelf after shelf after shelf of regulations. That's because the federal government is not after obedience, it's after trying to control your life. Parents must, must not be that way. And even though I just like that because I love the little pot shots of the government, the truth is, as as Christian parents, our goal ought not to be to control our kids' every action. Our our goal ought to be to raise up our child, right? And there's a difference there, right? So it's not by a zillion rules. It's teaching them the principles so that they become rule followers and not rule breakers. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Um, The third principle is keep calm. Um, I think this one, (laughs) I mean this one's super uh, convicting as well. Um, Basically, uh, what he's saying is that um, correction is, needs to be, uh, because kids learn by imitation, remember that's the big idea, that your discipline of them needs to be calm and it needs to be orderly if you're expecting your kids to be calm and orderly, right? So that the parent who flies off the handle in their discipline, yelling, screaming, shouting, swatting, um, is proving themselves to be not self-controlled. And and truthfully, what are we most often disciplining our kids for, especially at the stage our kids are? Lack of self-control, right? And so what he's saying is because your your kids are watching you, your discipline must also be um, order. In fact, I'll just read this one because I think um, as I'm looking at the book, we have a star and ouch written beside it. Your emotional state might feel like disciplining when you should not, or it might not feel like disciplining when you should, so you cannot base discipline on the state of your emotions. In order to teach obedience, your disciplining itself must be obedient and disciplined. Um, I think that's just such a great line uh, when he basically says, um, when he's basically saying there, there, you can't base your, uh, discipline on the, your state of your emotions. And the truth is, man, can I tell the story? So the other night I, I was I,
1: just thinking about this Quinn. Yeah, uh, you can
0: tell it if you want. Nope. Go. Okay. So I'm putting Quinn to bed and, um, I, you know, she, she, I wasn't able to read her a story because, um, of some disobedience before bed. And so, you know, she was asking me to, to tell her a princess story. Every night I, I, I tell her a princess story um, that starts with Princess Quinn. Um, and I couldn't, and, and I like telling them to her. So I was explaining, you know, I wish I could, but I can't, you know, because um, you disobeyed. And, you know, she was getting a little upset. And she essentially said, um, you know, I, I don't always know what's right and what's wrong. And my, my first reaction was to think like, you know, like we, we give you these rules enough. And so I went through a few things. I said, you know, is this right? Or is this wrong? Is this right? Or is this wrong? And I went through five or six different things and she got them all right. And so I said, so see, you do know what's right and wrong. And then she said, well, sometimes I get in trouble for them and sometimes I don't sometimes, uh, you know, I- sometimes mommy
1: yells <laughs> yeah. and sometimes mommy doesn't. Right. Sometimes I get timeouts. And sometimes I don't.
0: Right. And so she goes through this whole list of things. And of course I'm feeling like. It comes back
1: to our inconsistencies. Right.
0: Essentially what this little almost four year old is, is asking for is consistency. And what, you know, basic, what, what, what she's telling us essentially is that we're disciplining based on our emotional state, right? If something is right or wrong depends on how daddy or how mommy is feeling, how patient right. we are, how tough our days are. Which been, is how the total truth. We we we're coming
1: home today and I don't know what they were doing. Oh, they were roaring like lions in the back as Harper's sleeping. And so I could just feel myself, you guys stop it back there because, you know, Harper. And I just call, I thinking in my head, Colleen, calm. Be calm. Be calm. Right. Say it calmly. Right. And so then, like, I could feel myself starting to yell. Right. And then just casually bringing it down at the end because of what Quinn had said a couple nights ago or whatever.
0: Because let's be honest, there are times when. Like, I'll be down on the ground roaring like a lion with them. And, and you know, as a you know and it's three, fine. three-year-old and a two-year-old, they don't understand the difference between when we're playing with dad and when we're playing in the car without and, dad. And why am, are we getting yelled at once and not the other time, right. right? They don't understand that. And so...
1: She didn't know Harper was sleeping. Right. I mean, she couldn't see.
0: Right. And, and even if she could, I mean...
1: We didn't it, yell at her the day before for roaring like a lion. Yeah,
0: and not only that, but she's not the parent, which means she's not the one who's watching whether or not Harper is sleeping. That's what we do, right? She's we can't ask her to be responsible enough to be like watching and seeing and and courteous and and conscientious of who's sleeping and who isn't, right? Right. So so staying calm allows you to explain things to them. And again, so now what are we creating? Well, we're creating consistency because you can calmly explain why they shouldn't do something. And then if they continue, well, now we're back to a principle and that principle is disobedience, right? Right. So it's not, you're not being punished for roaring like a lion. You're not being punished for being loud because sometimes it's okay to be loud, but you're getting punished because I've asked you not to do something. I've calmly explained it to you in a way that's, that you can understand, right? Right. And I think, um, he goes, he, he talks a little bit too about sometimes using a lot of words and we know our kids well enough. I think that Quinn really does ask the why, right? So we give her, we use language with her that we're telling her not only what we're asking her to do, but also why. Whereas Judah, who's a two year old rambunctious boy, it's, it's much more short. Don't hit Right.
1: Don't touch. Right. Sit.
0: Whereas with Quinn, it's like when somebody, just because somebody hits us doesn't mean we hit them back. Right. right. We explain that whole thing to them. But with Judah, it's the short commands. Right. I think actually Josh and Christy's podcast on that really yeah, helped talked us about, with them. Um, talk how, to
1: boys like you would talk to your dog.
0: Right. The uh, the fourth principle then is discipline is love and actually what, one thing I should say actually with principle number three keep calm, um, he actually takes a uh, a page out of the uh, you know that phrase they use it all the times like keep calm and carry on and then they use Ugh. that for a bunch of yeah you don't like it no okay well they use it for a bunch of things now so he kind of uh, he kind of uses that and he says keep calm and keep spanking and so his point there is that specifically, the, uh, and actually I thought this was really good. He talks about how, um, the Bible tells us that to spank. Yeah. Well, the Bible says if you spare the rod, you ruin the child, right? I know, there's, there's, I don't there's, like that. <laughs> there's a lot, there's a lot in the Bible about spanking. And, uh, he, he talks about how, um, a lot of parents try to spank. They, uh, well here, I'll just read some of this. Uh, We live in a time when a number of very foolish Christian parents have attempted to discipline foolishly and found out that that does not work and concluded that the problem must be with God's word and not their own inept applications of it. If it was a sinful spanking, you ought not to do it that way rather than refusing to deal with it at all. God's word tells us that we are what we are to do. Do not reject what the Bible plainly teaches. If you refuse, then you are failing to head your child off as he is headed for destruction, as Proverbs says. Yes, corporal discipline is taught in the Bible, but that does not mean that you have to spank your kids every 10 minutes, whether they need it or not. We are not talking about child abuse. Spankings should sting, but never damage. Spanking fails quote unquote, happen in two ways. One is when you clobber a kid and he learns to stay away every time you stub your toe or turn on the television, which kind of goes back to the keep calm thing, He says, and that is simply abuse. Slugging your kids is not what God calls us to do. And if that is something you do, you must repent and seek God's forgiveness about it. The other kind of fail, and frankly the far more common one, is when you deliver the occasional and very inconsistent wump on top of the diaper. What happens is just is that you just moved your kid six inches and that's the only thing that happened. Your demon child responds um, to this by saying to him or herself, Ha, I defy you and all your pitiful attempts at uh, intimidating the queen of the world have failed. Discipline is a universal language. It communicates. God disciplines and it gets through. If it does not get attention, it is not godly discipline. Many times parents are reluctant to discipline when it's needed because they think their child is feeble-minded when it comes to godly cause and effect. Mom says, "I don't think my little ba lamb, known to outside outsiders as a whirling tornado, understands the connection between the whining and the spanking. He looks so sad and bewildered. Doesn't understand disciplinary cause and effect, you say?" How can this be when it is uh, when they are a veritable genius when it comes to ungodly cause and effect? Tell me, does he understand the connection between whining and get, getting whatever he wants? He understands those causal relationships. So why can they not understand the causal relationship between you flipping out and discipline? Proverbs 19.19 19 says, a man uh, of great wrath shall suffer punishment. So he's basically... Uh, and, and we've had these conversations before. Essentially, what he's saying is that uh, the problem isn't with God's word. The problem is with our inconsistencies and in how we apply God's word with our kids. Right. And uh, and I found that pretty convicting because you and I have kind of been back and forth on that one a lot. Um, the fourth Principles. So, just as a as a reminder here, four discipline, uh, four principles of discipline. Number one, discipline is not punishment. Number two, discipline with a few principles rather than many rules. Number three, keep calm, and number four, discipline is love. And basically, uh, this goes back to Hebrews twelve, and in Hebrews twelve, it says that God disciplines all children that He loves. And so discipline is, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because when we talk about discipline, I remember one time there was a, a kid in the, the um, church who had a social worker and they put a social team together when he was getting out of uh, some legal trouble. And it was a group of people who um, kind of were, were uh, committing to support him. And, um, so they're doing this, this silly thing when CAS was kind of like, what does so-and-so need? And they kind of went around and asked us all. And when I said discipline, CAS ladies got their, <laughs> got in an uproar because discipline was a bad word to CAS. But I think, um, what we've done is we allow, uh, we allow the culture to define what love and what hate is. The Bible actually says when we don't discipline our kids, it's because we hate them. Mm. And, uh, and that all, uh, discipline is, uh, or all, uh, uh, children who we do love, we actually discipline. And I think that kind of flies in the face of what the world thinks, but it's what the Bible says, which is, which means it's what we go by. Now, the example you're kind of talking about, we thought was, uh, was really great. This is in the the kind of Q and a appendix of, um, the book. So the question was, if you tell your kids not to do something on Wednesday night, and then on Thursday night, they do it, Um, Should the rule have still been in place? Should you discipline for it? And uh, that's where Doug says, if it's important enough to discipline for, then it's important enough to refresh it since it doesn't take that much time. You don't want to open up the front, the, the door for them to say, I forgot, or you didn't tell me that you are creating opportunities for arguments The book of Proverbs is a father writing to his son. It's amazing how much repetition goes into it. When you have to repeat yourself, that's not a sign of system failure. I think God designed children to need to be told the same thing over and over again. And if it's done patiently, then you can keep the issue clear. If you told them not to do something 15 seconds ago, the issue is disobedience. But 24 hours ago gives them all kinds of maneuvering and negotiation room. You wanted to read that one. So what What was it about that that stuck out to you?
1: Well, even just think of ourselves, like he, like he said, right? Like we need all kinds of reminders. I mean, I need to read these f- uh, four principles of disi- for discipline, I mean, several times in right. order for me to remember them and stick with it, right? right. Like we had, we've just, we've read this um, chapter before and we've talked about it and whatever. So let's say I've heard it three times And even, you know, we're
0: still going, Ooh, ouch. Right. And
1: today, you know, I told Quinn not to do something and yeah, maybe it was 24 hours and she did it again. Well, I disciplined her and I shouldn't have because she said, well, I forgot. And I'm thinking, yeah, right. You forgot. Like, (laughs) and you know, she probably did forget. Right. right? And shame on me, even though I've read this three times where it says, you know, um, so anyways that one just you know that one hit home f- like they all kind of have but um that one was a good reminder essentially that we need reminders too what's the difference between a 4 year old and a 30 year old
0: Right yeah Right Um one of the things that kind of stuck out to me with this fourth principle was when Doug was talking about how discipline ends the matter right, right. so so whatever the offense doesn't is Doesn't linger Right it doesn't linger So whatever the offense is, right, whether it's somebody hit somebody, somebody disrespected somebody, somebody disobeyed something, something got busted, um, whatever the case is, discipline ends the matter. So there aren't grudges, there's no lingering unforgiveness, and there's no condemnation. Mm -hmm. You know, so one of the things is, is that we, we we're obviously sinful, whether we're parents or uh, the kids. And one of the sinful things in parents' hearts is when our kids offend us, when our kids bother us, when our kids do things that we don't like, um, we're sinful. And and a, a sinful heart will get back at them for that. And so when our kids do something that bother us, and sometimes we don't discipline it because it's easier not to. Sometimes we don't discipline it because we've already yelled enough that day. Sometimes we don't discipline it because we just don't have the energy. Um, because we've already disciplined them 10 times that day when we don't discipline, when we should discipline, we're going to get even because we're sinful and that's what sinful people do this. I say this to, to married couples and marriage counseling all the time is that when, when your spouse does something that you, that uh, upsets you and you don't verbalize it, you're still going to get back at them in one way or another. You're going to withhold affection from them. You're going to um, be a little bit more curt the next time you say something to them. You're going to give them attitude. You're going to give them the silent treatment, whatever the case may be. And that's damaging enough. But now imagine that with a child who doesn't understand those games, right? They they can't associate your withheld affection or your short-temperedness with what they did 10 minutes ago. Mm -hmm. And so we... You know, when Quinn's Quinn does this all the time where she'll draw a picture or she'll honestly, she'll like cut out a tiny little piece of paper and like put her name on it and give it to you. And it's like one of her love languages is gifts. And so she'll give you this thing that's like, you know, I mean, it's, it's not going on the fridge anytime soon. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so she'll, she'll give it to you. And you know, if I'm annoyed because I'm still annoyed with something that I should have disciplined 10 minutes ago and I didn't, I'm not going to be over the top. Like she needs me to be in order to feel loved. Right. right? And this kind of goes to one of the things that Doug says at the, at the back of the book that I thought is really, really good. It comes from Ephesians five. And again, probably a lot of you, if you're married couples, you've read the books, the book, love and respect. Ephesians five talks about you know, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. Uh, wives respect your husbands. And he boils down that whole section. It's from Ephesians 5, 22-ish to like 33 um, that whole, you know, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, all that kind of stuff. But it boil, Paul boils it all down to one application point. He says, therefore, husbands love your wives and wives see to it that you respect your husbands. So the whole book, Love and Respect, is about how men are wired to feel respect and women are wired to feel love. And that's what they both need. So it, it's interesting. Um, so Doug uh, kind of talks in, talks about that. And he says, um, actually I'll, I'll, just read this whole answer cause I thought it was pretty profound and then you can respond to it because, uh, I know you thought it was really good too. It says, always remember that boys and girls run on different kinds of fuel. Certain things work for both of them, but boys run on respect fuel and girls run on love fuel. Little girls flirt and manipulate little boys brag. If a boy says, look at me before he jumps off the diving board, he's clamoring for respect. However, when someone demands respect, the last thing in a world in the world you would want to give him is respect. Proverbs 27.2 says, let another praise you and not your own mouth. So security in a boy enables him to wait for that praise from someone else. When boys are young, be sure to praise them rather than pulling back from them. Show them respect now so they aren't constantly craving it later. For girls, it's a danger sign if they get clingy. If an uncle shows up for Thanksgiving and it's been eight years since she's seen him and your little girl is all over his lap looking for attention, the parental reaction should not be, ''Oh, that's so cute. She loves her uncle.'' It ought to be, ''Yikes.'' The little girl is feeling unlovely because she's not been loved, and she sees herself as a nuisance or an irritation and is insecure about it. The more insecure she is about it, the more she needs attention, and the more she needs attention and love, the more she fishes for male attention. For a long time, she's a nuisance, and then all of a sudden, she turns 13 and magically guys start paying attention. Now she has something to negotiate with, and many girls are just clueless about what's actually going on. So while they're young, saturate your boys with respect and your girls with love. Love has to do with commitment, security, attachment, and sacrifice. Love says, I will be here for you. I will sacrifice for you. I'm connected to you. I'm going to display that every chance I get. Respect, on the other hand, has to do with abilities and achievements. Give your girls hugs and compliments and reassurance and praise and tell your young boy that he's really strong, he's really brave, and he's really fast. I guess the big idea here, uh, beyond the idea of imitation is, and, and this even goes into the imitation is, um, when we're talking about child rearing, we're talking about discipline, it all comes back to the idea that what kind of children are you trying to raise? What kind, or what kind of men and women are you trying to, uh, train them into, right? And so every small battle, every small um, matter, every, every small principle that you teach them is all instilling something in them to create the kinds of men and women that can be the kinds of men and women that engage culture and change the world. And that's what we're, that's what this book is all about is why children matter. Well, children matter because godly children are what God uses in order to fight back the darkness. It's, it's part of his plan to saturate the world with the knowledge of his glory, like the waters cover the sea. And so, um, when, uh, when we're looking at how we interact with our children, um, we're remembering that we're trying to teach them how to be loving and respectful. And therefore we ought to keep these principles in mind as we're interacting with our kids, showering our little boys with respect and showering our little girls with love and disciplining them in a way that, res- that um, uh, c- communicates love and respect as well. So what are we saying? Go by the book
1: yeah go buy the book don't listen to us just go buy the book
0: (laughs) well thanks for joining me again colleen thanks for listening again listeners and uh and i'll be back in garage mahal next week with a couple of uh interesting and, and fun guests so hopefully you check that out